Uh, pretty good. We <laughs> went to Calgary last weekend. Sorry, this past weekend. Um, which was good. We haven't been there since Christmas of, sorry, since New Year, for a year and a half, for more than a year and a half. Um, and spent a lot of time reading the company's coming cookbooks. <laughs> and the, and I found the yummy chicken recipe in the best of bridge and. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. The same, like it was the, sorry, what's the, I can't remember the exact publication, but it's like the rest of the best of bridge or something like that. But I found the yummy chicken. Um, I found, <laughs> I found another recipe in companies coming that, um, starts with the name says it all <laughs> what <laughs> i think i took <laughs> Whoa, wait wait what was it called yeah i think it was called fluffy clouds it was some what? it was something from like the does like the squares and bars book i i took a picture of it i'll have to look back but oh my god i i mean like i somewhat disagree if that is what it's called like the name doesn't really say it all the name is pretty like <laughs> It's, it's fluffy clouds what else do you need to know it's pretty figurative <laughs> yeah exactly fluffy clouds what at least with yummy chicken you know you're getting chicken that's true yeah <laughs> and theoretically it's gonna be yummy i mean i guess you know that whatever you're getting is gonna be fluffy in the case of fluffy clouds but <laughs> but what they're made out of i couldn't possibly imagine yeah I mean, if the name truly does say it all, then I guess they're made out of water vapor. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of um, classic, ambiguous names like like Montreal smoked meat. Like, why is it called Montreal smoked meat? <laughs> I know that's so funny. Because <laughs> then you can make it out of whatever you want. Yeah. Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took so, and I uh, I was reading. I was looking for jokes mostly when I was reading the company's coming cookbooks. So oh I, my god! Are we gonna do a whole joke? We could do. <laughs> we could do a. We could do a joke every episode for the next five years if you want. Like, there's a lot. Oh of, yeah, let's do. There's it. a lot of companies coming cookbook. Actually, what we should do is every episode, one of us has to have a company's coming joke prepared, <laughs> but we have to sneak it into the conversation. Real casual, without, like. <laughs> yeah, like with, without actually announcing it, <clears throat> and then the listeners have to pick it out. That would be tough. That would be tough for us. Like it would be just, super just tough. We'd have to offer a prize or something. Oh no, no, slipping it in would be easy. <laughs> Can I just read one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, like you're gonna you read one, and then I'll come up with a way to slip it into a conversation. You tell me that this is a. Uh... That you can casually, nonchalantly slip this into a conversation that we have. Yeah. Um, oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shale, a seafood diet is the best. Whenever you see food, eat it. <laughs> okay. It sounds like it already sounds like something stupid that I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I love seafood. Anytime I see food, hey, I just eat it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. 
Food Court. I'm Shale McDonald, and I'm here with my co-host, Alan Sutterby. Hi, Shale. Hey, Alan. Uh, we're two chefs from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We love food, and we love to talk about it. And tonight we have something special planned, right? Yeah. Follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, follow-up. <laughs> and then also something else special. Oh, right. Yeah, that stuff, too. Hopefully. The only thing I wanted to follow up with was you mentioned that uh, last conversation, that chocolate lava cake, you felt like had a, a specific origin in a famous restaurant or from a famous chef. And yeah, um, uh, well, like, I think what I said was that it was a famous mistake origin. Oh, right. Yeah. But, but that it had a definitive origin kind of, mm-hmm. um, and you're right. And the definitive origin, well, okay, like all of these things, it's yeah, disputed. Exactly. But uh, Jean-Georges. Like you weren't actually there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it totally is Jean-Georges. So Jean-Georges yeah. von Gerichten, um, he claims to have invented it. He claims that it was a mistake, like an underbaked cake, which is interesting mm-hmm. because in the chef movie that we were talking about, they talk about putting a like a piece of ganache into it, not just underbaking it. But anyways, yeah, totally. that's his story. It's disputed. But even even if you don't think that he invented it, most of the sources say that you have to give him credit for popularizing it. Fair. So there you go. Jean-Georges. I know somebody who worked for Jean-Georges. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, Fabian, he uh, is like chef part owner of two restaurants in New York now, mm-hmm. one of which is called Contra. What's the other one called? Anyways, they're amazing. I ate at both of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think uh, like I met him working at Noma. And before he came to Noma, he had been working at Jean-Georges, I think. Okay, yeah. So that's fancy. That is fancy, yeah. The other origin, dish origin that I was wondering about last time we talked was I had mentioned that I stole a concept for a dish from David Chang the concept being raw fish and buttermilk and poppy seeds. Yeah. And he, and I I knew that he had mentioned that he stole it from someone else. I thought maybe that other person was Jean-Georges. Um but it was actually Joël Robuchon. Um oh, okay. so he ate uh Chang um and his first chef at Co. They ate a dish at uh, L'Atelier by Robuchon. Um that was like raw shrimp and and buttermilk and roasted poppy seeds. Um, and he, yeah, he says it explicitly in the, in the Momofuku cookbook that they just like took it, <laughs> they just took, took that combination and <laughs> ch- tweaked it and made it their own and everything. But right. Anyways, so that was the origin of that one. Everything's stolen. Yeah. Anything else? I don't really think so. Uh, listener Greg asked us if you need to make Nanaimo bars with bird custard, birds, birds oh, custard. No, I asked Greg that. Oh, you asked Greg that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He had maybe taken exception to something that I said about Nanaimo bars. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he had said that, uh, how could, um, oh, he, yeah, I can't remember. He he said, how could um, poutine be regional and Nanaimo bars be national? Is that what he asked? If I, <laughs> my, my, rec- <laughs> and then I'm not sure yeah. if that's exactly what you so said. Yeah, my, my recollection of what I said was that, uh, poutine was a dish that started as a regional specialty, but has been naturalized as a national dish in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. And probably 
whatever I said, you could probably make the same case for Nanaimo bars, like starting as a regional specialty, although, uh, anyways, starting on, on the island and becoming a national specialty. Some authors say only after the um, uh, Expo 86 in Vancouver, only after that did they become, an, like, that's when they were first um, kind of put forth as a Canadian dish. Crazy. Which is why you don't see them in older cookbooks um, before that time, uh, like that aren't from uh, BC and huh. Vancouver Island. But. Well, I went to Expo 86, Alan, and I don't remember eating any Nanaimo bars. Is there, that true? It's true. Oh, my goodness. And you I remember know. stuff? Yeah. I would have been 12 years old. Yeah. Oh, I remember lots of stuff. You remember all the pavilions? Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> a bunch of pavilions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, the Canada Pavilion had this crazy, like, kind of 3D IMAX movie situation in it that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that was the Canada Pavilion. I remember the Alberta Pavilion being really boring. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Which was sad for me because I was from Alberta. So I was like, oh, why is our pavilion sad? Alberta was a different place in 1986 than it it is now. (laughs) And probably actually our pavilion was really good. I was just a dumb 12-year-old who only really wanted to see like the weird like robots and stuff that they had there. Right. Because the the whole pitch of of expos like that is like the future is now. Like look at at what we can do as mankind. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a technology expo, and they their mascot was this little robot that would walk around the site, and his name was Expo Ernie. And <laughs> yeah, I think he was like controlled by somebody standing nearby with a pair of goggles on or something. I'm not. Why did he have goggles on? Why did the person have goggles on? Yeah. I don't know to see through. I I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> to see through Ernie's eyes, so he could see what he was looking at. I understand. That's my. That's my assertion. Um, yeah, there was lots of cool tech, though. There was lots of, like, cool 3D movie type of tech and IMAX stuff. IMAX was, like, a newish kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and they built the what's now, I guess, the Space Science Center for Expo. It's, like, a huge geodesic dome that's, like, right. sort of down. Around False Creek, eh? False Creek, yeah. yeah. But you don't remember Nanaimo bars? No, I don't think I had any Nanaimo bars there. It seems to me like I've been eating Nanaimo bars since before then, but that's Mm. probably not true either. Well, if you want to back check it, I think it's on the Wikipedia page, but I think it's um, cited to... There's a book on quote-unquote Canadian cuisine called Speaking in Cod Tongues. And that's that's the book that says that it was really Expo 86 that popularized them out... uh, beyond uh bc cool yeah i'm curious to i'm I'm curious to hear that story because i'm i'm having trouble in my head like picturing how expo 86 would have had that type (laughs) of effect but yeah so that's all the (laughs) follow-up what are we talking about tonight alan the original wording was fantasy menus Uh uh-huh like fantasy island what's that it's an old tv show circa it's from the 80s also (laughs) (laughs) okay who Uh, wants should we just do an episode about the 80s i got lots of stuff (laughs) yeah the 80s were great we could just rickroll everybody (laughs) 
but you didn't get you didn't rickroll people in the 80s obviously no you couldn't yeah uh maybe rick astley's from the 90s i don't actually know (laughs) someone can write in and let us know yeah please listeners write in and let us know sounds like the 80s to me um okay so the idea was i feel like we've thrown around the the phrase fantasy menus but what what this one is what this episode is about is we each gave each other a theme around which to construct a menu and you constructed a menu alan yeah sort of (laughs) when when did you construct it just out of curiosity well i had to i mean let's let's uh let's do some real talk you kind of screwed me you uh (laughs) you gave me something that was like not even remotely in my wheelhouse and also something that you know revolves heavily around the 80s i would say 80s and early 90s. oh no 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 well listen he's had a long career definitely not um no but his career uh, i don't even like barely had started in the 80s most of his career spans the 90s and the 2000s well (laughs) i mean peewee's big adventure was in the 80s what what 89 85 oh all right fair (laughs) enough uh, what know. about Beetlejuice? When was Beetlejuice? Uh, it must be in the early '90s, but I actually don't know. Okay, sorry. Who are we talking about? Uh, John Burton. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Tim Burton. John um, Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> From the '80s, you know. Was Beetlejuice before or after Edward Scissorhands? Uh, before. Okay, because Edward Scissorhands was 1990. Oh, okay. But anyways, we don't need to talk about, we don't need to log on to IMDb. We just need to (laughs) say that I was tasked with uh, developing a menu inspired by Tim Burton. Yeah. By the works of Tim Burton? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Uh, And you were tasked with, uh, I just like lobbed you a softball. I know, I can't believe it. I wanted you to design a menu, Iron Chef style, where the, the secret ingredient is apples. Mm-hmm. Apples from your yard. Yeah. I called my menu, or like, I guess if it was a, well, if it's a fantasy menu, I think it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know where the perfect, oh, I guess the perfect place to eat this menu would be in your backyard. Oh. But I called the, I called the restaurant that the menu would be served at, Yard Apples. Yard. <laughs> you couldn't really call it anything else. Well, okay, so I kind of hinted at this when we, when we laid the challenge down. Um like I, it's like a dream of mine to have an apple orchard and to make cider commercially. And so I want- Yeah, and I think I said that my friend just bought an orchard when you told me that. Yeah, Yeah. and so I'm going to consult for your friend on a menu for the restaurant on their property. Yeah, that's amazing. um, But I want to, like I I tasked you with this so that I could steal all of your ideas. Okay, (laughs) all right. And actually, I don't know if you knew this, but you've already, you, I'm sure you took it from somewhere, but like you, you've already made one of my favorite apple, like my favorite elegant apple dishes of all time. Oh God. I think that dish is probably on this menu. So is it the chicken liver mousse? Yeah, sort of. Great. Cause I I slightly altered it. I'm going to put that on a menu and call it chicken liver mousse McDonald. (laughs) Oh, please Call it shale's chicken liver mousse. I don't know. <laughs> you mean if I use <laughs> McDonald's this... is a three syllable word. <laughs> and if I use the surname McDonald on a menu, I'll 
upset people probably because <laughs> yeah, they'll think exactly. I'm talking about different. They'll be like, "You mean like Ron McDonald?" <laughs> I got a lot of that when I was growing up. Um. Well, who wants to go first? Uh, or should do. we go? You do. Should, should we? No, should you, we go back and forth? Or no, you or? should go first. Okay. I'll do it. And I think also part of your mandate was that. I should be trying to use like as much of the full range of what the Apple has to offer as mm. possible. I did mention that, but I think that within the frame of an Iron Chef secret ingredient contest, that's kind of implied, right? Like you want no, yeah, to, you right. want to hit all the notes, but you're right. Yeah, that that is something that certainly I'm looking for. Yeah, um, and I guess like yeah, usually on Iron Chef too, like you have access to all of these things that you wouldn't necessarily that that like if you if you were actually using like local ingredients or something, you wouldn't have access to all of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, and so that's sort of what I did here a little bit. Um, okay, so yeah, it's called Yard Apples. Mm-hmm. We would be eating it in your backyard, or you and one other person will be eating it in your backyard. Hopefully, see, this is the problem. You can't really serve it while the apple trees are blooming because you don't have the apples yet, but it's a fantasy, so. Okay. <laughs> you have, I mean, you in my house, when apple trees bloom in May, we would still have like hard cider and applesauce and frozen apples and things like that. But yeah, for sure. Anyways, sorry, I'm not, I won't talk for a while. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I guess, uh, tell you what each dish is and then, um, what you're going to ask me questions about it, hopefully. Sure. Okay. So first we got an amuse-bouche. It's called apple and cheddar chips. Yum. So it's just apple chips. And then cheddar, like crispy, crispy cheddar chips. You know what I'm saying? Like, like cheddar frico. Yeah, exactly. Like cheddar frico. So they're just served like, it's like a bowl of chips and some are apple chips and some are uh, cheddar chips. Yeah, exactly. Yep. They come in a little bowl. They're standing up, and you take one, and it's an apple chip, and then you take another one, and it's a cheddar chip. Yep. Um, and then we have apple blossom tea. Oh. which I'm going to say is the aperitif. Okay. And it's not actually apple blossom tea. It's chrysanthemum tea. So it has like a whole chrysanthemum bulb in it or whatever that is, you know? Okay. But then it has apple blossoms floating on top and then it's also flavored with apple. So there would be like dried apple in the tea to flavor it like apple. Mm-hmm. And it's hot. It's hot tea. Yeah, I think so. Or warm. Um, yeah, I think so. Have you eaten, have you had apple blossom before? Like, is that, a th- is that a thing that I you think can cook I with? have had one before, but I don't really remember it tasting like apple that much. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've never even, it's almost embarrassing. Like I've never thought of it. Like obviously we pay attention when the apples are in bloom and it's a lovely aroma, but like I'd never even crossed my mind. Like, can you make, you just make a water with it? Like you would orange blossoms or roses or yeah yeah i wonder hmm. like i wonder what it ta- yeah i wonder what they would taste like i think they taste kind of perfumey mm-hmm. but i don't exactly remember honestly and you know that they're not poison i don't know oh, okay. that for sure <laughs> okay i'm pretty sure though yeah like you know a couple of them i don't think <laughs> i mean i know apple seeds are right. not great to eat right. but I, I can't imagine that 
it would be really bad to eat a couple apple blossoms. It sounds lovely. You can eat cherry blossoms, right? I don't know. Oh, all right. Okay, and then you get your first appetizer, and it's called half an apple. And it's an apple that's been cut in half carefully and then cored like a lot so that there's like the apple skin and then maybe like an eighth of an inch of apple inside the the skin to like keep the structure of it mm-hmm. um, with the the stem like still on the half of the apple that's on the plate. Right. And the apple is like like cut in half and then the flat side is put on the plate and it's cored out and then it's stuffed with uh, ricotta, oh, with walnut ricotta. Mm-hmm. So like you can kind of cut into it and there's just like a little bit of apple that's sort of like um, a little globe that's enclosing the mm-hmm. walnut ricotta. Mm-hmm. Half an apple, that one's called. <laughs> Sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. And then um, like I told you, this is like a <laughs> – it's like a <laughs> – a boring fine dining menu. Uh, then we have an apple watercress salad. Pretty straightforward. It's apple slices. And actually this idea is stolen from Noma. But it's apple slices that are compressed with apple juice. Mm-hmm. So you, you juice a bunch of apples and then you treat them with vitamin C so that they, so that it doesn't oxidize. And then you uh, uh, make thin apple slices and then you put them in the bag with the antioxidized apple juice and mm-hmm. and uh pull a vacuum on it to compress them when you like when you add the vitamin c does the juice actually stay doesn't stay clear does it uh it well it depends what kind of apples you're juicing mm-hmm. but it's it's like kind of the light green like a, oh is that right okay like kind of a vibrant sort of like i wouldn't call it a bright green mm-hmm. it's not like clear it's definitely not clear it's more like it's it's like freshly juiced apple juice so it's like cloudy mm-hmm. but but like slightly green mm-hmm. okay. or slightly rosy okay. depending on the kinds of apples. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just fresh watercress and then apple cider vinaigrette. Obviously the apple cider vinaigrette is made from <laughs> apple cider vinegar that you've made from Great. the hard apple cider that you made. Obviously. Obviously. I, I was like racking my brain for another garnish for that salad. Mm-hmm. I also thought about putting mint in there, which I think would be really nice. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I, I wanted a crispy garnish, but I didn't want to use like, I don't know. I, I didn't want to just put some random bread on it. So, What about seeds? I just left it off. Like pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds or something? Uh, yeah, sunflower seeds might be nice actually. Yeah. Something that could be grown in your backyard also. Mm-hmm. Or like a sunflower seed. I have a seed cracker on something else, but like a sunflower seed cracker or mm-hmm. a sunflower seed tweel or something mm-hmm. like that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your next app is going to be bacon apple soup and it's basically apples and onions that are baked in the oven in bacon fat mm-hmm. and then blended until they're super smooth and then just big boy lardons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure that can't be bad, right, Alan? Uh, no, I don't think so. As long as, yeah, I think that like certainly the onion helps kind of bridge the, sweet world of the apple to the savory world of the bacon and then like i i wonder if you were if it were actually just to be apples and onions if it would be a little bit strong and if you need something else to kind of temper it like i mean 
potato or parsnip mm. or something like that. But I mean, I'm sure. It, yeah, I, I'm sure it could be delicious. Yeah, because you would you wouldn't sorry you wouldn't want it to come across as applesauce. Like you don't want to eat a bowl of applesauce, right? No, hundred percent. Um, so I'm just one. Um, yeah, and you are in danger of that if you're baking the apples because you're taking some of the liquid out. Yeah, totally. But I think rather than putting something else in there like potato or parsnip or something like that that would make it thicker i would want to put in probably just apple juice Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. or yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. um or like maybe uh, like apple juice or a little bit of apple cider vinegar or or maybe like like apple juice that's been flavored with thyme or something like Mm -hmm. just to yeah yeah just keep the savory kind of thing and and bring some acidity like Mm -hmm. yeah uh, because you're gonna have like a, a, so much bacon and bacon fat, right? And then I have the chicken liver mousse with crab apple jelly. Can you explain it to pe- folks who aren't familiar? Yeah, it's not so just chicken liver mousse and apple jelly, right? No, it's well, I mean, like, I mean, fundamentally, <laughs> that's what it is. But it's like, a, it's like a super smooth um, chicken liver mousse um that is like quite airy and then it's piped into like a little jar mm-hmm. and then um while it's warm like you, you make crab apple jelly but while it's still warm and before it's set you pour it on top uh of the jar so to sort of like seal the jar the way that you might normally seal it like with a fat cap if you were making like a foie gras terrine mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. um but instead of that you're feeling you're you're like uh covering the top of the chicken liver mousse with a little layer of jelly. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want with it after that. Like I, I think, you know, in a lot of instances I've served, served it with like brioche or something like that. Right. In yeah. this instance, I'm going to serve it with seed crackers, which I think would be cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that I stole that idea also. I don't know about the crab apple thing. Like maybe the crab apple thing isn't stolen necessarily, but I think that I stole the idea of potting the chicken liver mousse and putting something novel like on top of it as a cap. But I don't remember from where. I mean, if it wasn't jelly set on top of a mousse, then I don't think you stole anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I potting a mousse is not, I don't know, to me that's not novel. But the but the beautiful layer, like in a glass container, like the rosy um, liver mousse, and then the like bright because you the when you made it, uh, when I was there, it was with Dolgo crab apple jelly, I think. So it had like yeah. insane, um, like vibrant bright red, pinkish red, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks great and it's so delicious. The the chicken liver mousse is really good. I love it. Is there? I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was thinking about that dish recently. Um, is there no, like, because the mousse, because like, your mousse has like whipped cream folded into it or something, right? Yeah. So is there any risk of like when you're, when you're spooning the hot or the like very warm jelly mix on top of it, does mm-hmm. it not like deflate the very top or like cause some kind of fat separation on the very top? Do you know what I it mean? It hasn't generally. Um, as long as like... So you pipe the mousse while it's warm Mm -hmm. and then you let it cool and then you put the jelly on top. So Mm -hmm. as long as it's cold, like as long as the mousse is fridge cold and the jelly, you let it cool down a bit before you pour it on. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It's like Mm -hmm. making a chauffeur or whatever. Like you don't want the jelly to be so hot that it's going to melt anything. So, okay. Um, 
Okay. And then that's all the appetizers. I think I only had... Well, if you guys, I guess if you count the amuse, then we've got one, two, three, four, five, oh, six. <laughs> no. Because uh, one of them's the tea, so that's an aperitif. So I got five. I got five apps, which I think was sort of what we said. I don't remember. And then we're on to the mains. There's a lot of pork in this menu. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I had like three pork dishes well well there's more than three well uh, i think there's i think there's three pork dishes on it now but i had four and and then i was like no one of these can be a different thing (laughs) but it just i don't know you gotta write to your audience so good yeah exactly well yeah that's true too like this is this is a fancy menu that theoretically i'm going to be serving to somebody that i know and i know that person likes pork Mm. um okay Moving right along, we got the mains. You got uh, pork chops and applesauce. Classic. (laughs) Uh, So you're going to take like a big pork loin chop with a bone in and sous vide it in apple juice and butter. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to glaze it with apple juice. Okay. And then um, you're just going to serve it with like rosy applesauce. Mm -hmm. So like I'm thinking like treat the apples somewhat similarly like like um puree them and treat them with like some kind of antioxidant and then cook them once they're pureed Mm -hmm. i know that's sort of like backwards but i want to try and keep the color like super bright Mm -hmm. and then i was thinking even to like make it a little bit rosy using some like beet juice or something like that which obviously you would also have Mm -hmm. i think Um, you can get like i think you can make a rosy applesauce just by cooking them in contact with the skins but then removing the skins like with a temi or something right i think yeah i i think you're right too i just wasn't 100 percent sure mm-hmm. so i was hedging my bets mm-hmm. and then the next main i've never seen anything like this <laughs> so <laughs> oh, holy cow i'm excited well no it's <laughs> that's not entirely true it's it's like totally it, it it's based off a classic dish, but okay. <laughs> but I've never I've never seen this before. So you let me know, Alan, if you think this is a somewhat original idea. Um, but it's a goose pot pie. Okay. And it's basically an apple and lentil cassoulet. So mm-hmm. you would take lentils and apples and cook them together with herbs and aromatics to make like a cassoulet. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I, I was thinking more like you would take the lentils and you would cook them with the aromatics to get the lentil situation going. And then you would... Um, kind of add in the apples at the end with butter and stuff to make it into like a stew similar to a cassoulet, okay. but where the apples haven't totally broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're warm, but they're still like firm. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's like, and then there's also confit, like uh, confit leg of goose yes. in there. And then it's just like the whole thing's like in a little cassoulet dish, but topped with a pie crust. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Uh, it sounds great. Yeah, I'll have that. Yeah, yeah, I'll eat it. <laughs> it sounds very good. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I was like, man, I think that would be really good. I can't think of any kind of like braised legume dish that I've had served with pastry. So, yeah, yeah, like all the cassoulets that I've had are never like covered like a pot pie like that or anything. <laughs> yeah. So I think it would be cute. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, and then uh, just give me one second here. This is a. I know it's um, 
I know it's a contentious issue, but I have a palate cleanser in this, <laughs> in this menu. <laughs> it's not contentious. They're just overrated. Is that what we said? I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, overrated. <laughs> oh, this one's clearly going to change the paradigm on whether they're overrated <laughs> or not. Let me guess. It's an apple sorbet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're close. Yeah. Apple uh, granita. It, no, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Both of those things were on my list of things to include as a cleanser, mm-hmm. but neither of them made the cut <laughs> once I um, came up with an actual idea. Um, it's a mulled apple and buttermilk sherbet. Okay. Yeah. So like apple and then mulling spices, like apple juice with mulling spices and then buttermilk. And then mm-hmm. the buttermilk provides like the dairy part mm-hmm. of the sherbet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about it actually. And then... Like you mean you're going to make it? I I think I might. Yeah. Yeah. I think I w- might wind up making it just to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And then the La Pièce de Résistance. <laughs> Apple pie. <laughs> you're already stuffed and then you've just had this like little cleanser and you're like, oh man, I can't possibly go on. And then the the back door or the kitchen doors like swing open and out comes a cart with a with a whole suckling pig stuffed with, <laughs> <laughs> with apples in yeah. time yeah um served with roasted celery roots and apple chips so big night style yeah, yeah. just like big night <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone starts dancing around the table <laughs> all two of you i guess Many drivers <laughs> there all of a sudden yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Stanley Tucci seems like he's been really upset, but suddenly he's having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then if you can survive that, uh, then you've made it to dessert. And um, dessert, I mean, you just want something delicious, right? Mm-hmm. So we have uh, apple rhubarb tart tatin with rosemary brown sugar ice cream. And then like... A little petty four of um, applewood smoked caramel apple. Does that make sense? Applewood smoked caramel, caramel apple. apple. Which part of it is smoked? The caramel? The caramel. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And I was thinking like you would, like what I had in my head is you would core the apple. Well, yeah, you would core the apple and then you would, peel the apple but like peel it further than just taking the peel off Mm -hmm. like to make it actually like small Mm -hmm. and then like put it back together and put something in the middle of it like maybe more caramel or maybe like an apple jelly or something like Mm -hmm. that uh in the middle where the core was and put it together and then dip it in the caramel Mm -hmm. in the smoked caramel you know what might be good in the filling is like mincemeat like not not ground meat but like sweet mincemeat like dried, dried fruits and stuff I'm generally not a fan of mincemeat, oh, but I've never actually like gone about like researching how to do it, do something about it myself to make it something that I would actually love, you know? Alton Brown has a really good recipe. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and you, do you prefer caramel apples to candy apples? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I haven't eaten a ton of either, but yeah, I prefer caramel apples mm. to candy apples. 
Candy apples, I don't even think I've ever eaten one because I'm just like, how are you supposed to eat that? <laughs> it just seems like it would be a giant pain in the rear. What's funny, like I think that like when you get them at a carnival or something, they're usually inedible. Like they're because the apples, because they're using like, you know, grocery store Granny Smith apples. So the apples are enormous <laughs> and the sugar, yeah. like the, the, the hard crack sugar is like break your teeth hard. But right. when you're it's either break your teeth hard or sticky enough that it's gonna pull your teeth out of their right, yeah, yeah. Out of your gums, I feel like. But if you find nice like that's there's loads of apples that grow here that are just like, you know, less than half the size of of a gra- of a grocery store apple. Um and so it's mm-hmm. like much easier to get your teeth around it. And right. someone with the deft hand in sugar work like you, I'm sure you could nail the temperature and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. If you flavored the candy like cinnamon or something too, I could see that being mm-hmm. delicious. Um, and then that, that's basically it. And then you get um, a little bit of uh, apple brandy as a digestif. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like obviously there's like a cider pairing. <laughs> right. Yep. Right? Yep. Which you can choose to have with your meal or <laughs> not. Yep. Um, but there would be like all types of ciders. There would be – what what's that um, – like probably near the beginning of the meal, you'd have like like half fresh juice, half cider. What's right. that called? The schnitte, like is the Austrian, yeah, like a like a cut cider. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cider rattler, right. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then you would you know like progressively get like funkier and drier ciders near the end of the mm-hmm. meal, and then you know, yeah, maybe applejack maybe. or something with dessert, and yeah, yeah. applejack with dessert <laughs> would be perfect. Yeah. Okay, what do you think, Alan? Should we make it happen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to get a whole suckling pig, but I'm sure we I'm can sure we figure can. one out. That's the least of our problems. I'm sure we could figure that out. Yeah, totally. Um, Getting fresh apple blossoms, that'll be really hard right now. Yeah, that's, that's true. But most of the other stuff, like, I mean, if that dinner is going to happen, it's going to happen one month from now. Right. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I got a lot planned this month. <laughs> no, it sounds really good. I think especially once you work in the idea of drink pairings, like, yeah, you see a lot of a lot of different expressions of the apple. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to have, like, the fresh, juicy, like, I wanted to have some fresh, juicy apple presentations and really highlight the juiciness, and then I wanted to have some crispy presentations and i wanted to have some like you know some like winter spicy baked apple types of Mm -hmm. things and Mm -hmm. um yeah and then you know highlight the other products like apple cider vinegar right use all the herbs that go really well with one 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 thing that i really did want to use that i didn't really wind up that i kind of wanted to feature that didn't really wind up getting featured here was sage so oh, I yeah. think sage goes really well with apples. Yeah, exactly. And I was trying to kind of work it into one of these. And I'm sure there's a way to do it, but I just, I never really got there. Mm-hmm. If I'm being perfectly honest, most of this, well, I, I did a bunch of brainstorming, uh, like sort of a couple days after we recorded our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> I didn't really look at it again until earlier, like today when I got <laughs> home from work. Yeah, yeah. And then I started looking at it and I just was struck with terror because 
there was just like this long list of like flavors that I'd thought up right. and <laughs> barely any composed dishes. And I was like, oh, crud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? It didn't take very long, though, but obviously it could use some work. It's a good first draft. It's a great first draft. It's a good first draft. Yeah. Okay, good. I'll, I'll take that. That's great. I like this idea of the rosemary brown sugar ice cream too. I don't like mm -hmm. something about that seems like it would really work. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, I think this would be good and just pops into your head and you're like, yeah, let's try that out. Yeah. No, it sounds great. Okay. So Alan. What? <laughs> Tim Burton. <laughs> I'm super curious. Um, Okay, so when you said, uh, when you re did the reveal, Tim Burton, mm -hmm. I was like, sweet, I've got two weeks, I'll go watch every Tim Burton movie. Um. <laughs> if there's one thing that is like totally unfair about me, um, uh, like giving you that as a theme, it's that I know that you don't have time to do homework. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Yeah, I think I watched, what did I do? I watched like the, uh, this is appropriate given, given our recent conversations, but I think I watched the, uh, the Siskel and Ebert review of Beetlejuice. Oh, genius. <laughs> so, circa 19, <laughs> whatever, 89, I don't know. 88 or um, whatever, 89, yeah. Yeah, I forgot how terrible that movie is. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I'll watch all the movies, but obviously I was like, oh, actually I have a life to get back to. I can't, I will not be able to watch any, uh, Tim Burton movies, but I think, and I told you, uh, last time we talked, like which ones I was familiar with. Um, right. And so the thing, the thing is for a menu to be, um, inspired by Tim Burton, I think that it's, it's kind of like the, the form and the presentation should be as important as the content, as the actual flavors and everything that's happening i agree it's got to be a showman's menu yeah and shale you probably know that maybe i could do that but it's certainly not like in my wheelhouse <laughs> like it's not something that that's right. not my it's not style. maybe the thing like that my... <laughs> you're yeah it's not something probably it's not a side of food necessarily that you are really um attracted to or or like um or maybe there's a time and a place uh, for it, but it's like right. not something that I've worked on. And so when mm -hmm. I think of like, who would, who would be a good chef to put together a Tim Burton menu? I think mm -hmm. of like Heston Blumenthal and I think of maybe like Wiley Dufresne. I don't know. Like yeah. where there's like really novel presentation and technique, which is kind of like, even though it has not aged well, like the kinds of stuff that he did in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, uh, like the, the special effects, I mean, that Tim Burton did in yeah. those movies. Um, Wait, they haven't aged <laughs> Yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, all right. Um, that's a joke, right? I, well, I don't know. I feel like that may be a matter of opinion. Sure. Let's, uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's ask the audience. <laughs> Just go to YouTube and uh, search uh, "Large Marge Pee Wee Herman" and uh, oh, man, tell, that is like the, tell me if that, that has aged well. 
there's very there are very few shots in movies that are more representative of the special effects from that era yeah. than that shot of large marge <laughs> like it pretty much sums it up yeah yeah like i don't even know how to describe it it's just like one moment it's live action and then the next moment it's like claymation it's a crappy claymation cartoon yeah and it looks terrible really yeah and it's kind of whatever it doesn't it doesn't matter you scared the crap out of me okay i still can't (laughs) i still can't watch it but like that movie came out 10 years after star wars so like how what excuse (laughs) do you have to have that kind of special effects in a movie do you know what i mean there's still terrible special effects in lots of movies (laughs) It's time and budget. Yeah. That's the problem. It's time. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. So there's I, something endearing about it, though. I guess is like maybe the point that I was trying to make. Okay. And the stuff in Beetlejuice too. I think there's something endearing about that, like stop motion, like <laughs> you know. It's funny. It's probably, it's probably a generational thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, I just picture like six-year-old Alan sitting in the theater watching Jurassic Park and just being like, <gasps> "Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly." Yeah. And then you know, like Jurassic Park kind of holds up, but it's like you know, the borderline. I don't even want to start. This I, I know that you know a lot more about it than me. Like to me, there there's certain Jurassic Park things that are like straight up uh mechanical like it's like robotic dinosaurs and that has not held mm-hmm. up like the the raptor scene in the cafeteria like it's obviously just yeah. robot dinosaurs and it doesn't look that great but the ones where it's like uh, i don't even know how to describe it but like it's like a combination of uh some kind of like mechanical and cgi or like primordial cgi work yeah like the whatever they are brontosauruses or brachiosaurus at the start in one of the opening scenes it's like that really blew my brain as a young boy. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Of course. And I think those are like mostly CG, but like something that really, mm, this is obviously a dumb tangent, Yeah, <laughs> but I did give you Tim Burton as a, <laughs> as a theme. This so I guess I kind of asked for time. it. I knew it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like one thing that does really hold up well, I think is like the first kind of actual like T-Rex attack at night Yeah, when they're sitting yeah. in the vehicle. Yeah. And Shine like the there's some shots of the vehicle that look bad, like that you can tell that the vehicle's getting pushed around on a track. Mm-hmm. But like the actual like the the CG of the T-Rex effects in that shot because it's at night and there's rain and stuff, it really does yeah. hold up really well. Totally. Okay, so all, all that's it. Anyways, Tim Burton. Um, I've really. Do you, uh, you want to set the scene for me, Alan? Or yeah, so I know what kind of chef should be executing this menu, and I th- I spent some time thinking about how to add that kind of novelty and interest to the presentation. I can't do it. I can't do it on this for what I'm getting paid for this shale. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's all my brain will work this hard <laughs> and no harder. So it's it's like the presentation and all that is like it's a very it's an Allen menu, um, not a, not a Tim Burton menu, but but the inspiration is from his movies. Um, that's that's truly all I was asking. Okay, for good. Um, Tim Burton's just the jumping off point. I want to eat your food, not Tim Burton's oh, food. That's lovely. Um, one of my favorite. I, I know that he 
his style is most famous for the like the kind of like gothic and macabre elements. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite parts of, I think it shows up in a few of his movies, but especially in Edward Scissorhands, is he has a. It's a. I don't know if it's a nostalgia or if it's a lampooning, but like um, of like suburban America. Um, uh huh. And all the kind of like there there there's not a huge amount of food in his movies, but um, there's a lot of nods to like the classics of 1970s and eighties American suburbia, like the barbecues and the truck stops and and stuff like that. So that was my real jumping off point. I tried to add the Gothic Halloween stuff as well, but anyways, and also how well it fits, I guess I I didn't know yours. Your, your menu was a, um, uh, like a set menu, like a prefix progression. Right. And mine, I was picturing a la carte, but doesn't, no, pr- maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, but like a diner menu. <laughs> I feel like that would really fit with his whole aesthetic. A lot of it. Yeah. Um, so first all, I'm going to read you the kids menu first. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So the kids menu is just, is three courses prefix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the kids get a prefix menu. Yeah. So it's it's ants on a log, mummy hot dogs. You know mummy hot dogs? Do you know them? Yeah. You do? Okay, so... No, wait. Oh, yes. Mummy hot dog. Uh, like you take a hot dog. Explain the mummy. Uh, and you make um, cuts, uh, not quite parallel, but like cuts to uh, into the hot dog to make two arms that spread out from the main trunk oh, and yeah. two okay, legs yeah, that spread yeah. out from the main trunk. And mm-hmm. then... Old school, I think you would take uh, like Pillsbury uh, crescent roll dough maybe and cut it into strips and wrap them around the hot dog to splay the arms and legs out so they look like mummies. Oh, it's And you can finish with ketchup um, as blood, even though mummies really shouldn't have blood. um, No, dust. Mummies need dust. (laughs) Well, ketchup dust. That's what... Yeah, ketchup dust. um, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I've done it with Pillsbury. I've done it with just like regular biscuit dough it's all good um and then the kids menu dessert would be volcano ice cream a la moxie's so like it's your choice of ice cream served on top of dry ice so that there's you, you've seen that right or no uh i don't think i have that used but, to be as I mean, a I probably should have as a 10 year old or 12 year old boy that was why my family went to moxie's was so that i could get uh get vo- volcano, volcano ice, cream? ice cream um is it like a sunday is there like lots of weird toppings on it and stuff and they put like some kind of raspberry sauce that's supposed to look like lava or what no i think well uh, uh, my recollection is that well i guess i don't know all i remember is dry ice and so there's <laughs> you remember of... burning your face on dry ice <laughs> yeah, exactly. has... yeah yeah <laughs> you shouldn't really give kids dry ice it's kind of a bad idea <laughs> it's a different time different era i guess yeah Okay, <laughs> you went to Moxie's by yourself. It was like it was on the other side of town, and you'd, you'd ride your bike yeah, exactly. across the tracks to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is really shaping up to be like a Tim Burton. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey. Um. Okay, so I've on the grown-up menu. I have three starters. Uh, I've got shrimp cocktail. Do you know why I have shrimp oh, cocktail? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Because shrimp cocktail is like a direct pull from Beetlejuice. You can't. Yeah. yeah. And that's. Can't have a Tim Burton <laughs> menu without shrimp cocktail. So this is. 
like I don't even remember the premise of Beetlejuice, but I remember this scene mm-hmm. where it's a dinner party and everyone has a big bowl of shrimp cocktail in front of them with like disgustingly large shrimp in it. And are they like possessed or something? Like they start singing the banana song, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, they, the, the Dietzes, they're the uh, family that's living in the haunted house. Right. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to explain the whole movie, but they invite, (laughs) (laughs) they're these weird yuppies and they invite some of their like fancy city friends up to the country to stay in their house that they've found out is haunted Mm -hmm. and because they want to capitalize on the fact that their house is haunted, maybe like turn it into like a, a retreat for ghost people who want to get in touch with the paranormal or something. So they bring some friends of theirs up from the city and the whole thing's a bust and everyone's like not having a great time, but then they sit down for dinner and then um, the ghosts in the house uh, do a bunch of um, freaky stuff and make them start moving around and dancing um, against their will. And then, yeah, the, the finale of their dance and singing the banana song is the shrimp cocktails. Like uh, all the shrimp turn into fingers and reach up out of the cocktail and pull their faces down into the shrimp right. cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. So like a, a clever chef would be like, okay, how do I make the shrimp look like fingers or whatever to like help in the, the way that you ev- evoke the movie. But I, I don't know how to do that. Right. So I'm serving shrimp cocktail. Probably with- it's easy, Alan. You just have somebody under the table. The shrimp aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well, actually, what I was thinking of, like, and it doesn't make sense because shrimp cocktail is a cold dish, but like the first time that I saw, um, it, it was at Izakaya Tomo, the first time that I saw the, uh, like the Benito flakes shaved onto a hot dish, oh, yeah. and then it comes to the table, and the flakes and are like, like waving with the, yeah. the heat from the dish. That blew my mind. And I, for a yeah. second, I actually wondered if there was something alive on the plate like i was looking across the dining room i didn't know what i was looking at but um anyways i'm just serving shrimp cocktail shale with uh like side stripe prawns or something a nice house cocktail sauce fresh horseradish and nasturtium nice because i know you like nasturtium love it um nasturtium leaves or nasturtium flowers yes both (laughs) okay yeah good good man um Deviled eggs, again, like a, in my mind, a '70s classic, but also oh, yeah. it has the word "devil" in it. I guess so. Maybe that's a Tim Burton thing. <laughs> <laughs> Farm eggs, hot mustard, Aleppo chili, chive, and then just for kicks, pork rind or something like that. Some kind of crispy pork oh, thing yeah. on it. Deviled eggs. Oh man, that's a delicious appetizer that I could actually eat. Yeah. Like pretty much guilt-free. Well, I wouldn't say guilt-free, but put it would be on my diet. You could call it bacon and eggs or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then my last starter, okay, so a chilled pork pie. Are you familiar with uh, like the Melton Mowbray style of pork pie? I uh, don't know. I don't know what Melton Mowbray is, but I'm familiar with a few styles of pork pie. Why don't you run it by me? It's, it's almost like... It's almost like head cheese in a pastry crust. Mm-hmm. So yep. like pork, like shredded pork or chopped pork is baked in a pie crust. And then gelatin is like, you like make a vent in the top of the crust and add gelatin. Um, yeah. 
So I've chilled pork pie, and the descriptive copy is pork shoulder, blood, flaky pastry, and grabiche. Um, nice. So there's certain kinds of uh, like head cheese in Europe where you add a touch of blood uh, to the mix, and it just tints everything with that that bit of the kind of burgundy hue of the blood. Right. So if you if you can picture like a basically a terrine. Um, with uh, something like a, a gelatin rich, like a head cheese filling. It has a touch of that, that hue to it. Um, and just totally. served with a uh, uh, grabiche sauce. And this Sounds is delicious. I think, I think I had a similar pork pie in Borough market in London. Oh, is that right? Cool. Not with blood in it. Right. But yeah, but, I haven't like Mel- in that style. Melton Mowbray doesn't usually have um, blood in it, but I just thought, you know, Tim Burton and, and blood. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. I like it. Okay. It's good. Okay. <laughs> no shame, Alan. Um, man. <laughs> so, like, uh, hearkening to that, the idea of the um, the nuclear family <laughs> in the seventies and eighties, the suburban family. Um, mm-hmm. One of my mains is Sunday pot roast, which I think oh, maybe yeah. they actually eat in. Like, there's a lot of dinner scenes in edward scissorhands where there's just like totally and or like like also like um like kind of party scenes where they're also eating like in the style of like having like a 70s sort of like 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 a church basement style service like Like i i I would be surprised if if you looked at that movie and there weren't deviled eggs in it like (laughs) right yeah they might not talk about them but they're there yeah yeah um so a sunday pot roast like a really beautiful, like a beef blade roast, um, like cooked in brown ale or something. Oh, <laughs> mashed, mashed potatoes, buttered peas and carrots, rolls, whatever dinner rolls. <laughs> That's what. Exactly what's in a hungry man meal, just good. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this shill, so. I like, I've been making pot roasts lately. Yeah. What cut do you use? Uh, well, like I haven't made one in a couple months, but for a while that was one of my like sort of uh, pressure cooker standards mm-hmm. um, in the last year or so. And yeah, it's amazing. What cut of meat do you use? Uh, blade roast. Yeah. Usually, or like, a, yeah, a blade stick. It's the only, oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know how common that cut is in the supermarket, but like it's almost a waste of time to use anything else for pot roast. Not really, yeah, but like I agree. it's, it's, superlative yeah i've also used like short rib or sure. like chuck yeah yeah but yep, totally. yeah yeah but then it doesn't look like a pot roast like a pot roast needs to have no, a round exactly. cross section i think but yeah totally yeah. anyways i mean yeah classically for yeah. sure i wind up usually just tearing everything apart anyways right but yeah yeah well also alton brown has a great pot roast episode have you seen it uh maybe not i don't know I d- i'm not remembering anything I think it might have been one of the ones that he redid or something, but he's like hanging out with who's this guy that's supposed to be his weird brother or something. Okay. And I don't is know. Is it a sock they're puppet? Like, no, it's an actual person. They're like cooking in a Winnebago. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we have a two two menu items that are almost identical. I had pork chops with candied apple. Oh, genius. Pork chops, just like thinking of the suburban backyard barbecues pictured in his movies. Um, but with, with candied apple and I haven't thought this through if it's an actual candied apple or if it's like a candied apple sauce, like where you almost like, right. You can picture like a butterscotch sauce with mixed with applesauce kind of thing. I don't know. Totally. Uh, maybe with like rutabaga, something like that. 
would be cool if it was like a candy a candied apple like an actual candied apple and then you were able to like cut it so that it was like thin slices but and and like kind of fan it out but each thin slice had like had hard crack the the candy still on the outside of it like it wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to do that with hard cracked candy but like if you made the candy like kind of sticky or something and then yeah totally i don't know it sounds impossible to do but it would be super cool if you could pull it off yeah that's a good example of like how simple it's a simple idea but it's it's actually probably enormously complex to get because even something like we there was we wanted to serve a kind of candied apple or d'oeuvre once. Um, and it seems so obvious in retrospect, but it was like, we could only get really large apples. It didn't work as an hors d'oeuvre. So we're like, well, why don't we just try candying slices of apple? But it doesn't work at all because the moisture of the no. cut face immediately starts to ruin the, the caramel, the, like candy. the candy on the outside. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But maybe if you didn't actually use candy, if you used like jelly or something, and then I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, could look super cool. Yeah, totally. Um, it crossed my <laughs> the closest I got to like the actual kind of uh, pageantry or presentation that you might expect for a, a Tim Burton menu. Crossed my mind that the the quail in a casket dish from Babette's Feast might be appropriate. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> the what is it quail baked in puff pastry with foie and black truffles and um, yeah yeah but that's probably not appropriate for the menu that i'm making so oh but it's so appropriate for tim burton i don't know that's a great i don't know it's a great callback and it's a great crossover idea <laughs> i don't know i think you should leave it on the menu fine it's there quail in a casket okay, good quail foie <laughs> truffle fig i don't remember what else some kind of sauce yeah um <laughs> My veg, my vegetarian main shale is uh, it's stuffed stuff squash, uh, and the squash is filled with uh, buckwheat and salsa verde. Oh, there you go. Nice. Uh, the pa- what does that have to do with Tim Burton? <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. All of his movies are about Halloween, and squashes uh-huh. are from Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh i see i thought squashes were from thanksgiving but now that you mention it <laughs> um, when you're right you're right alan squashes are from halloween <laughs> the the palate cleanse is uh is an ambrosia salad but it's oh Yes, <laughs> but it's um it's it's uh, plated as a composed salad, um so it's not just everything mixed up into one glommy mess. Um, mm-hmm. it'll have the components of an ambrosia salad, but plated a little bit more, like separately and artfully. Um, so there'll be some kind of whipped uh coconut mixture, uh-huh. and then may- like mandarin orange segments, sour cherries, like maybe like sour cherry glacé toasted almonds and i think just to make sure it's not too sweet like for a palate cleanse i would add like basil or some kind of herb component to it as well that sounds delicious and it's a great shout out to edward scissorhands do they make amber is 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 that salad actually in the movie oh oh yeah there's like a scene that is like i don't know um like totally locked in my memory forever where this like one woman from the neighborhood i think she's like 
I don't know. I think she's like a divorcee okay. or something like right. that. And she like, you know, finds out how good Edward is at cutting hair. And she's like, you know, kind of like, oh, that guy is like so mysterious. And so she's like kind of interested in him. And so she like goes to a backyard barbecue, I think, that they're having at at the family's house where Edward is staying. Okay. And she brings over Ambrosia salad and she like offers it to him and, and is kind of like hitting on him in right. this like super weird way yeah. and trying to get him to eat this Ambrosia salad. And I think he like falls into a bush or something. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I knew that when I put that on the menu. I was just thinking of well, it works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that's exactly why it's in the movie is because it super fits with his like, you know, suburban 70s aesthetic. Yeah. And yeah, it's like the, it's sort of like the ultimate distillation of that, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, totally. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got two desserts. So one of them is pumpkin pie. But here are some things. <laughs> I've eaten lemon tart. I, I had eaten lemon tart, like classic lemon tart, say dozens of times before I saw someone brulee the top of it. Uh-huh. And then it, I was absolutely baffled as to why it's not just served that way all the time, because it's right. always better when you torch the top of a lemon tart, right? Totally. Oh, yeah. And the Keller's lemon tart that I was talking about um, previously is also brulee. It is? Okay, yeah. yeah. I think the first place I saw it was in one of the old Marco Pure, like the BBC Marco Pure White uh, miniseries, uh, Marco Cook's. I think. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it crossed my mind, like, how come we don't do that to pumpkin pie? Oh, yeah. So my pumpkin pie uh, is a, a brulee pumpkin custard, um, and it has uh, ground pumpkin seeds in the crust, and it's served with, like, a soft whipped cream, and there's also toasted pumpkin seeds on top, like, a, as a garnish. Sounds amazing. I have, a, I, I have like, a tangent about that but i don't want to distract you from your second dessert so we'll go back to it afterwards a pumpkin pie tangent uh it's not exactly about pumpkin pie but it's about something that i think that you could do to pumpkin pie in the vein of bruleeing it that would make it friggin' amazing well we're there let's talk about it all right all right <laughs> um so we had a dessert on the on the menu at the blue pair mm. when i was there and it was basically a burnt custard mm-hmm. um so you would take i think i think what we were using was orange mm-hmm. yeah burnt orange custard so we were basically making like an inverted creme brulee like more like a creme caramel but with actual brulee sugar on top okay and so how you would do it is you would make an orange flavored custard mm-hmm. um like a normal like uh creme anglaise mm-hmm. um and then you would turn on the broiler in the oven and stick it in the oven like you'd make the custard so that and pour it into like a sheet pan mm-hmm. you turn on the broiler in the oven and you stick it under the broiler and just let it cook and cook and cook and split and scramble and start to burn and like turn black and then you like (laughs) it doesn't really turn black because there's too much like fat and and stuff and it like protects it it takes a really long time for it to start to color Mm -hmm. but it totally splits and curdles and it's disgusting Mm -hmm. and then you pull it out of the oven and then you take a torch and you just like brulee the top of it until you've got like actual kind of like burnt bits in Mm -hmm. it and 
then you take that whole mass and you throw it in a blender uh, with a bit of what do you use? Starch? Agar, I believe. Okay. And you blend it um, with agar and it like comes back together Mm -hmm. into this like super silky smooth like rich custard like super rich like Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's so rich is because while you're burning it in the oven like you're evaporating most of the water out of the cream that you use to make the custard Mm -hmm. what color is it when it after the puree is it brown uh it's like kind of a it's still the one that we were doing was still orangey okay um with like flecks of actual like black little flecks of black in Mm -hmm. it and yeah like sort of like a rich kind of caramelized color to Mm -hmm. it yeah and then yeah anyways you you would blend it with agar and then you would pour it into molds and then i think the reason why we're using agar is because it can withstand some heat without melting right Mm -hmm. away and yeah, so we would pour it into a mold, unmold it, put it on a plate like a creme caramel, but um, obviously didn't have caramel in the bottom of the cup. Right. And then we would just take pre-caramelized sugar, put it on top and melt it on top and kind of warm it a little mm-hmm. bit. It was just like, so it was like, it was like a panna cotta, right? but just way more rich mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. And like super, and the flavors are super intense because you've basically like taken out most of the water. Yeah. Um, so like the flavors are enhanced and then you have this kind of like super dense caramelized flavor and it's just like really rich, but very, um, very smooth and beautiful. And I think it would be amazing to make a pumpkin pie in that same way. So to make a pumpkin custard and then to burn it, is that what you mean? Burn yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Like burn it, destroy it, throw it in a blender, reblend it mm-hmm. and and then pour it and, and then set it somehow in a, in a pie yeah. shell. Like. I think that could be amazing. Yes, let's try it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I've got two questions. One, did you know that original originally creme brulee was torched creme anglaise? It was a like a torched stirred custard, not a torched set custard? Oh, no, I did not know that. It's true. <laughs> That's interesting. So like torched, like just the custard was torched on top and then it was like yeah like i think sugar was added and it was torched but it was yeah it was not a set custard originally like in escoffier it's a it's a stirred custard like it's just creme anglaise oh, yeah yeah um my second question is so do you know is the origin of that dish that you just described that somebody screwed up and burnt a custard somehow or was it i don't know i don't actually know for sure i assume that it must be mm-hmm. um because why else would you <laughs> take a nice custard that you made and then just burn the shit out of it i don't you know like it must have been a mistake and then somebody must have made a horrible mistake and then been like uh maybe if i just put some cream (laughs) in the blender with it it's maybe it's one of those things where it's like yeah that sounds like yeah maybe like something that a hack chef would do but i've had a a few burnt sorry a few preparations that are made from burnt food that are just next level savory or delicious like we i think that this was nate boxes doing i i think but we we used to like Uh do oven roasted tomatoes like not 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 as um dry as like the sun-dried tomatoes you get in the store but like slow roast tomatoes to concentrate the flavor 
and someone like forgot about a pan of tomatoes in the oven and they got black um but then they got pureed into aioli um and right. it was delicious like and it became a standby yeah. like where we would purposefully maybe not burn not, a pan of tomatoes not like make them into cinders but like to to char them no, like they but are like black the on edges the would be charred and, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah, I mean, also cabbage is un- yeah, like amazing yep. when it's charred, yep. like and cauliflower yeah. and <laughs> and cauliflower, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a- I've been doing that a lot actually. Like for my parents' anniversary dinner, I think I made a we we made a broccoli salad mm-hmm. and like a regular sort of like yeah like seventy style backyard barbecue broccoli yeah. salad. But I took half of the broccoli before we put it in the salad and like tossed it in olive oil and threw it on my barbecue and just charred the heck out of like yeah, yeah. about half of yeah. it and then. And then cooled it down and cut it up and put it in the salad. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's funny. Oh man. Yeah. I was actually last week I had a bunch of broccoli and I was, I, I ended up not doing it, but I was like, I should grill this broccoli, char some of it and then like make like a peanut sauce or something for it. But oh, yeah. that's on my list. Yes. Burnt stuff. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Dessert sec- number two. So, uh, uh, I think one of the, one of the few Tim Burton movies that I actually saw in theaters was um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or sorry, okay. Willy Wonka, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Chocolate Factory, or or is it just called okay, Willy so Wonka? I can't. Remember. The Roald Dahl book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The nineteen seventies movie is Willy Wonka and the Charlie Factory, Chocolate Factory. Sorry, um, and I think that the Tim Burton one from two thousand whatever is also charlie and the chocolate factory but okay anyways uh so my second dessert is chocolate fudge mallow fondue <laughs> so, okay that works house marshmallows valrona chocolate fondue and then lots of fun fixins like nuts and crumbles and and things like that so you nice. skewer a marshmallow you dip it in chocolate you roll it around and put some fixins yeah, on it exactly I don't know what it what's in a Willy Wonka's like fudge mallows, but I assume it's just chocolate and marshmallows. I don't know. Marshmallows. Yeah. yeah. You can burn marshmallows too. That's really good. Do you do that when you're when you have a campfire? I actually don't really like like straight burnt marshmallows. If a corner of it is burnt, I'm down. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't like to burn the whole outside of my marshmallow and then eat it like the way I know some people do. Yeah. But yeah. Did we Okay, is this... Do we have time for another anecdote? <laughs> <laughs> about marshmallows? Yeah, it's about marshmallows. I, I was like at a camp when I was 13. Um, some kid was like burning marshmallows at like at the campfire. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like swinging his stick around. And so he had like a burning marshmallow on the end of his stick and he hit me in the back of the leg with it. Oh, really? So it was like on fire yeah. and liquid and it just like stuck to the back of my leg and I still have a scar from oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Was what was awful. that kid's name? Do not remember. Didn't even know the kid. Just some random little douche. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that kid... I deserve an apology. He's probably like your <laughs> physician or something now. Oh, probably. Um, yeah. Whenever I think of like things that uh, are kind of like deceptively 
harmful when they sorry food items that are deceptively harmful when they touch your skin i always think of like Uh polenta like anything that has like a kind of porridgey consistency like when it lands on you it just like has really great heat transfer and is hard to get off hard to remove but like when polenta starts bubbling and it's like thickened and it starts getting spattery but yeah Mm -hmm. uh, a flaming marshmallow would be another one i suppose yeah it's like lava have the doesn't have the water content and stuff that um <laughs> that polenta yeah, does it's very <laughs> sticky alan you can't get it yeah. off trust me yeah <laughs> well i'm sorry that happened to you yeah well that's how it goes we have we make like um 12 or 18 kilos of chewy caramel at kind ice cream every mm. week to make our salted caramel ice cream out mm. of and most of the reasonably serious injuries that have happened in that kitchen have happened making that caramel oh, i believe it yeah we now have a policy of having to wear like elbow length gloves when you're right. doing that job because <laughs> face just... masks and... <laughs> yeah seriously like too many people got burned like like pretty badly doing that job yeah, yeah. It's scary okay chocolate mallow fondue fudge, sounds fudge delicious mallow. Fudge mallow fondue. Yeah. It's scrumdiddlyumptious, actually. <laughs> uh, and then is there an after-dinner drink or anything uh, like that? Did you think about pairings or what? Oh, I forgot. To, <laughs> I forgot Uh-oh. to mention the like the meat pie. The chilled meat pie is a reference to Sweeney Todd. Oh, a doy. There you go. Yeah. Um, drink pairings i don't know what do they drink in the 70s pina mm. coladas yeah frozen probably a lot of tiki drinks oh yeah tiki drinks works well yeah. you could have a, tr- a tiki menu tiki menu for the pairings that'd be fun my ties yeah okay i like it alan it's good <laughs> thanks can tell you're disappointed with yourself did you so when you when you gave me tim burton like did you have stuff in your mind that you would do for a tim burton menu definitely shrimp cocktail was on that list and ambrosia salad too i think is like one of the very first things that pops into my head and then yeah i think that's like basically what you wound up with is basically the sort of idea that i think like it is like the through line that I would have followed mm-hmm. like you know I feel like you'd be better suburban at suburban US 60s 70s aesthetic and like yeah but like I feel like you would be better at adding that kind of like that I don't know what the word is that whimsy that Burton has to the presentation I mean stuff. potentially or I might be really bad at it mm-hmm. too Alan I guess we'll never find out because <laughs> Because you're never going to assign me, Tim Burton, as a theme for my fantasy (laughs) menu, right, Alan? (laughs) I'd probably have gummy sandworms or something dumb like that. (laughs) Like there was just a... Like I was at a point this week where I was just Google imaging Halloween suppers and stuff like that. And it got... Totally. I got pretty desperate, but... I'd try to do some dumb thing with bats or something. Exactly. I don't know. Like not not cooking an actual bat, yeah. but like a yeah. That's how COVID started, you know. Oh yeah, obviously. Um bat flew into a 5G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dabbled with the 
the different uh halloween um how to make how to make a pot roast look like a frankenstein and stuff <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I just didn't think i could execute it so <laughs> oh yeah that would be the best like making <laughs> making a tim burton menu that's like all food sculptures that's supposed to look like mo- like like monster movie icons yeah. or something oh my god that would be and and just like picture that and then and then cross your mental image with um uh with that uh tv show oh what's that dumb tv show that's on netflix uh nailed it oh i don't know that one. Oh my god like Alan. pinterest fail type stuff or it's like it, it's a reality cooking show and they have to i think it's usually a cake i think it i think it's usually a baking mm-hmm. thing i think it's usually a yeah like um like a structured cake that's supposed to actually look like something okay. and they have like and they're they're not really professionals but they think that they're awesome bakers right. and they're supposed to replicate some like crazy cake sculpture in like a friggin hour and a half or something and they just the stuff just like looks like the worst yeah worst pinterest fails you've ever seen mm-hmm. like oh man it's pretty funny i mean it's horrible i think i only watched two episodes because it's just like hard to watch yeah but anyways that's what it would look like <laughs> That was I, I'm glad you didn't try to go in that type of direction because I yeah, I think it would be like yeah, it's impossible to pull off and make it cool. Well that's <laughs> the thing is that like we're not actually making the food. So I thought I was wondering if I could just kind of BS my way through it and be like, so yeah, it's a pot roast, but like you pull But the- it looks like Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like large marge. <laughs> just like most pot roasts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the meal that you've had alan in your life that the, that most resembles large march uh the claymation like thing that she does or just like yeah 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 definitely that there's no like yeah large marge is only that claymation creature in my mind um i don't know like roasting a chicken with the head on oh uh-huh, yeah <laughs> okay to me, I think it's probably just a plate of spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> that I had at some point. Thanks for listening to Food Court, a podcast recorded in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Food Court is hosted by Alan Sudaby and Shale McDonald. Theme music by Ryan and Shale McDonald. Make sure to subscribe to Food Court in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or in your favorite podcast player. We love to hear from our listeners. Please drop us a line at feedback at foodcourt.fm or find us on Instagram at foodcourtpodcast. If you want to spread the word, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back in two weeks with a fresh new episode. Thanks for listening.